Pastor Xavier Reese, urging we give to the Lord the glory due His name. The physical appearance of Saul is emphasized again, that there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. They were so excited when they saw People get so excited about a man. Then they hear Jesus. That should never be. Ever. What to get excited about the Lord. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Buyer's remorse takes many different forms, most of them typified by a high level of anxiety about having made the wrong decision. It most often occurs after a high-value purchase and worry begins to grow over the consequences. Though not exactly buyer's remorse, you may very well say the nation of Israel did opt for second best in their choice for king over the better judgment of the king of kings. Pastor Xavier continues our Simple Truth Study series in the book of 1 Samuel today with the anointing of King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 27, and the message is entitled, The First King of Israel, Saul. God, having uh, been rejected by the people to rule over them and having requested a king that he might judge them and fight their battle like all the other kings of the nations in chapter 8, they would not be dissuaded even though God told them exactly the type of man that would take hold of them and it would cost them their families and their finances and all. So God permitted it. Verse 1 through 8, we have the private unction of Saul. Verses 9 through 16, the prophetic confirmation to Saul. And then 17 through 27, the public inauguration of Saul. The private anointing of Saul, verse 1 through 8. Notice in verse 1, the consecration of Saul by Samuel is recorded for us. Samuel the prophet took this flax of oil and poured it on his head. This was a typical method and custom in the Hebrew nation. The anointing of, some, uh, of something with oil meant to be set apart, consecrated for the work of God, for God himself. The first king to be anointed here is Saul and those after him. Saul was anointed after God had revealed to Samuel that he was the one that was to be king. We saw this very clear in chapter 9. The meeting has taken place. Notice Samuel then kissed Saul in verse 1, this was a sign of affection and respect and affirmation as king. Samuel then said, Is it not because the Lord Yahweh has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Saul was to be the anointed of God, devoted to do the will and the purposes of God. Not simply have power. Saul was to be Yahweh's commander. The word there, commander, means leader, ruler, captain, or prince. And it has a connotation with the military because he's going to be called to defend against the Philistines. Now notice verse 6 through 8, the anointing of Saul by God. In 6, Saul would be spirit-filled here. Don't miss it. This is key. The cause, then the spirit of the Lord Yahweh will come upon you. The effect, and you will prophesy with them and be turned to another man. Those are terms synonymous with one who comes to know God. You understand? These are terms of one who comes to know God. 
the private unction of Saul was directed by God. Now notice the prophetic confirmation to Saul comes next. 9 through 16. In verse 9, the departure of Saul from Samuel is given. The transformation of Saul took place instantly. Now notice what happens. The very second Saul had turned, the minute he turned away to go from Samuel, he knew God had told Samuel already he was going to reign. Chapter 9, 17. Saul already knew that God had directed the meeting. Notice the supernatural work of God began, that God gave him, listen, don't miss it, here it is again, another heart. This is the third term. You cannot tell me Saul was not born again, okay, in the Old Testament sense. The word heart in the Hebrew identifies the inner man, the place of inclination, resolution, and determination of the will, evil by nature, Jeremiah 79. He gave him a new heart with the ability to resist the old heart. You understand the sin nature. The clear implication was that Yahweh gave to Saul another heart with the capacity to obey God. God's not going to call you without giving you capacity to do the work or to obey. Simple. Therefore, the failure of his life was his own doing in rebellion to God to do his own will. So we can never blame God for the failure of our lives, right? It's our own choice. Now notice the summary statement is given in advance in verse 9 at the end there. And all those signs came to pass that day. All Samuel had told Saul took place and all was God's revelation to Samuel. That's what prophecy is. Telling you before it happens and when it happens, you know it's God. Now notice 10 through 13, the meeting of Saul with the prophets. In 10, the Spirit of God fell upon Saul and transformed him and he became God's anointed. Here we go again. The location was as prophesied when they came there to the hill. The people, there was a group of prophets to meet him, and the Spirit enabled Saul to prophesy. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Notice the Spirit of God caused Saul to prophesy and caused the individuals to acknowledge his prophesying as a divine endowment of God, not the result of natural birth through his father in verses 11 through 13. This is important. Some people get confused in this section. Follow it carefully. Notice in verse 11, the attestation came from people familiar with Saul. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another. Listen to their words. What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? I know his dad. He's just a normal man. He's always been a normal son. What the heck happened to him? So there's an inconsistency here from the natural born birth to what's going on right now. The affirmation came from one individual. Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. It's Saul among the prophets. In other words, these prophets were anointed by God. Saul was the son of Kish, but now he's acting like a prophet. Guess what happened? He's been born from above. You can't miss it. Now, Notice the confirmation of Saul's consecration was expressed by Saul himself. Here's his witness, verse 13. And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. The high place was a place where there was sacrifice and worship of Yahweh. He just came down from the high place where Samuel in the previous chapter. Now all this has come alive. All this has become real. Now he knows. Now he goes to seek God. And that's what you should always do. If you think God's speaking to you, you go seek God. If God's directing God in you, go seek God.
After you wrestle with God, you can't make heads or tails. Come, we'll talk, we'll pray. But you go to God first. Now notice, 14 through 16, the arrival of Saul to his father's house. And this is almost like an anticlimax. It's kind of, you think, that was this just thrown in there? Is this a mistake? No, it isn't. The uncle of Saul inquired about their encounter with um, Samuel. He was very curious. In verse 14, then Saul's uncle said to him and the servant, where did you go? And they responded, to look for the donkeys. Then we saw that they were nowhere to be found, so we went to Samuel. And then his uncle insisted, and he said, tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. I mean, he's inquisitive. He wants to hear, you know. Interesting here. Interesting note. Say no. His uncle knew about Samuel, the prophet. The servant knew about Samuel, the prophet. But Saul didn't know about Samuel, the prophet. That's not good. That's not good at all. You understand? The people's king, not God's king. Look at the response. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found and the prophetic anointing was concealed by Saul. The word but marks the sharp contrast between what Saul said and what he did not say. The silence of Saul regarded the matter of the kingdom as Samuel had told him. He said nothing. Now, it appears that he starts real good. Listen, everybody starts good. Everybody starts good. I don't care how you start. I want to know how you're going to finish. The prophetic confirmation was fulfilled by God. As we read the word of God, we see God's promises, which is prophetic for us, and they're confirming our lives. And he's transforming us from day to day, ladies and gentlemen. But it's by the word of God. Never apart from the word of God. The prophetic confirmation was fulfilled by God. Now, the third movement comes, 17 through 27. The public inauguration of Psalm. Look at 17 through 19. Samuel rebuked the people for their self-will. Samuel keeps bringing it up. You may say, man, Samuel's kind of a hard guy. No, 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 listen to me. Today you are falling onto the philosophy of idiots that you're not supposed to judge one another. We better judge one another. Okay? We're not to judge somebody critically, serious all the time. If you're that kind of a person, then it's better you go bury your gift. But if we really love one another, when you see someone strain, you better remind them. If you don't, then you love yourself. You don't love them. Notice here, verse 17, the gathering of the nation was crucial here at this point. Samuel calls the people together to the Lord. Not himself. This is key. The focus was on the people coming before Yahweh. The king-to-be was not the replacement of their God. Samuel gathered them at Mizpah, notice. Mizpahs were the place where they turned from their idolatry and God revived them in 1 Samuel 7. And also, it could have been the new location for the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle since the destruction at Shiloh. The gathering was to hear the words of God, not Samuel, regarding his steadfast, faithful love for the people. He reminded the children of Israel of his deliverance from them from the bondage of Egypt. Listen again. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered them from your hand, uh, hand of the Egyptians. 
Samuel had already done that in chapter 8, verse 10 through 18, where that revival came forth. They repented. But he reminds them. Why? Because there's still self-will. The context is still, give us a king. He's still trying to turn them. Do you know how many times Jesus gave Judas Iscariot a chance to repent? Count them. Begin in John 13. And he kept rejecting, rejecting, gave him opportunity to repent. But he was so set on his way, he did it. Notice he reminded the children of Israel of delivering them from their enemies in Canaan and from the hand of the kingdoms from those who oppressed you. His faithful love. He reminds them. And then notice in 19, the gathering was to hear the words of God regarding their unfaithful love. He charged them with choosing a man over their God. 19. But you have today rejected your God to the very day. That's another check. Who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And then he quotes their very words. This is good, see? I mean, our, our words hang us, right? And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Samuel gives them their own words. Notice, he summoned them to stand before God. Now therefore present yourself before the Lord for your tribes and by your clans. Now, 20 to 25, Samuel presented the king to the people. In 20, the first selection was by tribe. Samuel called all the tribes of Israel to come near. The tribe of Benjamin is chosen. The Old Testament manner here to know the will of God was twofold. First, by the Urim and the Thummim. By the high priest on the Zephod, the pouch. They believe it was a black and a white stone, but we don't know. It's just speculation. But it means light and perfections, and he would know the will of God. There was also the casting of lots. The Thummim and the, the Urim and Thummim, you find in Exodus 28, 28 through 30. And the lots was the customary way. You remember Achan was chosen to be guilty of taking the accursed thing in Joshua 14.2 by lots. The Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord Yahweh. This is the customary way of the Old Testament. Urim and Thummim or lots. Now, the second selection was by family. Verse 21 Samuel caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families. The family of Matri was chosen. This is the only time this name appears. The one chosen was Saul, the son of Kish. But when they looked for him, they couldn't find him. How interesting. The people, through Samuel here, asked the Lord. They inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? Maybe he hasn't arrived. Notice the Lord answered. There he is, hidden among I like the Old Testament, the Old King James. Stuff. <laughs> the equipment. Some see this as humility. Others see this as fear. Yet the life of Saul would reveal that he is a proud, arrogant, and wicked man. Notice the people presented the reluctant leader, Saul, before the people. 23. The people ran. They brought him from there. And the man saw when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. Saul stood out. You can miss this guy. Look at 24 through 26. Samuel presented the king of the people. The proclamation of Samuel to the people is given in 24. The permissive will of God is repeated. Let me repeat that. The permissive will of God is repeated. And Samuel said, to all the people, do you see him 
whom the Lord has chosen. Oh, well, look, God chose him. Listen, take it in context. God permitted this. This is still the insistence. So it doesn't mean God chose him. It means this is what the people wanted. And he kept insisting. And so he reminds them. The physical appearance of Saul is emphasized again. That there is no one like him among all the people. The response of the people is related. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. They were so excited when they saw him. He was intimidated. He didn't want to come forward. People get so excited about a man. Then they hear Jesus. That should never be. Ever. We're to get excited about the Lord. This is the first time the word for king is used. Melech. You get the name Melchizedek related. King of righteousness. Now notice the instructions of Samuel to the people in verse 25. Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, his conduct and comportment as a leader, probably in accord with God's requirement of Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, as we mentioned last time. And then notice that Samuel recorded the king's duty and his responsibility. Then he wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord, and Samuel sent all the people away, everyone to his house. The phrase before the Lord, don't miss it, most likely is there at Mizpah, where the tabernacle could have been relocated after the destruction of Shiloh. There the ark would be, there the tabernacle would be, and so he set this record there to hold the king accountable, responsible, we have a constitution in America to hold our president, to hold our senator, to hold our congressman responsible to us. Government of the people, for the people, by the people. That document holds them accountable to us. You understand? And when they cease to be accountable, that's why our constitution gives us great liberty to defend ourselves against government. You understand? By protest. By recalls. And that's why the founding fathers gave us the right to bear arms also. To protect us against government. Accountability to the word of God. So important. Look at 26. The commentary of Samuel regarding the people's reaction to Saul. Some responded in favor to Saul in verse 26. Saul went home to Gibeah. Three miles north of Jerusalem, four miles southeast of Mizpah. It's all in there, close together. And Saul was accompanied by some valiant men whose hearts God had touched. Don't miss that. If God calls a person, then he touches the hearts of others as he begins to do a work. And some responded in rebellion against Saul. Sons of Belial. That's literally what it says. They had no confidence in Saul. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? They viewed Saul with contempt and disdain. So they despised him and brought him no present. They were not given any satisfaction. Look at Saul. But he held his peace. He starts well. The important thing is that you continue well. The people will renew the kingdom and make Saul king again at Gibeah after the first victory over the Ammonites in chapter 11, verse 14 through 15. They will recall, who, who says he's not king? Bring him here so we can kill him because of this division here. God allowed Judas Iscariot to be chosen as one of the 12 apostles, as you know. 
yet he did not thwart the purposes of God. In fact, God was glorified through it. Psalm 76.10 says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath, you shall gird yourself. If God is big enough and powerful enough to take care of the universe, the sun, the moon, all that it is, do you think any one person is going to thwart his plan? Do you think God is up there biting his nails? Just because you and I can't figure out, don't bring God down to your level. It's insulting. God will use all for his glory, even the self-willed choices that we make in our life that will always work against us. But God will be forever warning us that we might turn back and allow him to guide our lives again. Because he loves me, because he wants the best for me, because he alone knows what is best for me and how it's going to take to make me like him, and he wants me to spend eternity with him. That's his heart. Listen to uh, Jeremiah 29.1. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord Yahweh, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's what he wants for you. But often we're like kids, you know, like your kids tell you, oh, you just want to ruin my life. You know, I can't believe it. <laughs> when you feel like that, turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. And after you read it, slap yourself. <laughs> You'll need that. The true demeanor of men and their call and service to God is not always what it appears then, does it? At times men start humble. And as soon as God begins to use us tremendously, they get big hits. They become proud. Let me repeat it again. Time is the test of all things. It will reveal who you are. Don't tell me you've begun well. That's a given. But how are you doing right now? Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 7, last will and testament. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's finishing well. You understand? I'm always amazed of how excited people get over a man, those who are leaders, even men of God, as if they are the answer to people's lives. Pray for your pastors, respect your pastors, thank God for your pastors, but your pastors should be reminding you and pointing you to God, to the Lord, no one else. There are people that I see in ministry and I've seen through the years that I feel like a spiritual pygmy before them because they just do their work they serve the Lord they never bring attention to themselves and they are as faithful as a watch the public inauguration of Saul was allowed by God Samuel has revealed to us the procedure of the enthronement of Saul here as king of Israel the private anointing of Saul was directed by God The prophetic confirmation to Saul was fulfilled by God. And the public inauguration of Saul was allowed by God. He's moving into that transition to monarchy. And yet, he gives man choices. They're not always the best, but God's a gentleman. He wants you to have the best. Learn from these lessons, you and I. So we don't go down the alley of lumps and bumps, but that we go down the street of blessing and direction. 
Pastor Xavier Uris, urging believers to finish well by choosing well the things of God. We've been studying chapter 10 today in our series in the book of 1 Samuel. Now today's message, The First King of Israel, Saul, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The First King of Israel, Saul, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com